0: All right, well, welcome to America's Podcast. Today we have on
1: Anne Elizabeth Craig.
0: Awesome. How's it going? Good. Good, good.
1: Glad to see the sun today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like 3 weeks of rain and I'm not I'm not into that. So Yeah.
0: So um I have you on because I had on Luis, yeah. and then um, I was like, let me just start grabbing folks who <laughs> do Absolutely. music in the area. So had you, Victor, and uh, you see the stickers. Are, I know. Are I saw that. Out. I
1: love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That
0: Sweetwater one, actually, um, I just had it stowed away somewhere, and yeah. then I was like, let me put that up there. And it fell the other night. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: I know. Is that felt or carpet?
0: It's just some carpet I got yeah. from Costco.
1: That's cool. Yeah.
0: I like I was, that. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the room as far as, like, the um, like soundproofing it. Yeah. And I had these, and then I didn't know if I wanted to grab, like, a ton of them. Because, you know, some people have, like, their whole room mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Because I still I thought about decorating the room, but I, I still don't know. But, um uh, so I was—I heard somebody say something about using carpet as like a, as like a sound deadening, soundproofing system. I was like, oh snap! So, I was in Costco and I was like, let me just throw some carpet on the yeah, wall. Yeah, that's it. That's, cool. <laughs>
1: that's perfect. It's
0: kind of a decent backdrop too.
1: No, definitely, especially yeah. if you can get some sticker action going on. Yeah. Um, I bet you could do something with felt too, because felt sticks to felt. Mm. So. Like, I'm sure felt sticks to carpet because it's the same texture, you know? Um,
0: Very cool. Victor said that um, stickers were a pretty big thing. And I was like,
1: oh, okay.
0: And um, then Louise came with her sticker. And I was like, I'm behind on the sticker game. I
1: love stickers. Really? Yeah. I um, have taught, like, art with kids for a really long time. So my sticker stash is pretty solid. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, having stickers as a branding thing is really good because like when we have gone on tour and played shows outside of Memphis you just like leave it somewhere and you never know who's going to be in a bathroom and just like see a name or see a design that stands out to them yeah and be like oh I gotta check that out you know I've done it so <laughs> yeah. I think it works honestly um but Victor's really good with that kind of thing as well I think that every show he's done like koozies and he's done stickers and yeah different kinds of things like that but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's
0: where I got that one from. Was his um, his show we went to at um, shoot? I forgot the Young Delhi something Avenue. Young so Avenue. I bartend there. Yeah. Oh really? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Okay. I've
1: worked there for six years this month. Oh nice. Um, the Deli is really cool. It's a great place, and uh, I've worked in service industry forever, and so the and I've worked in Cooper Young like the neighborhood since I moved to Midtown okay, um, when I was 19, so almost a decade. Try and keep this though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can move it. I don't, no. care what, oh, I don't care. yeah. Hey, that's a game changer. <laughs>
1: okay, cool, because I was like, I really just want to sit back in this chair a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, no,
0: you're, you're fine
1: though. Rad. See you
0: Yay. You see, I already messed up mine.
1: Yeah, I like all your gear, though. You're very set up. Okay, so we just uh, installed, like, a whole new sound system at the deli. What did you really? think about the sound
0: it sounded good yeah yeah i mean even though like so i don't go to concerts and stuff like that much like so i went to victor's thing and then i went to y'all's last night and that's like the first couple things i've ever been to like i I never go to live stuff yeah so and i'm just i'm huge on supporting people so like that's why i like having you local artists Mm -hmm. on the podcast because i'm i'm big about Supporting people who I can actually meet, you know what I mean? Like big time, like Grammy winning artists and stuff like that. Like the chances of me like actually getting them in a room and talking to them are very slim. Of course, but I can get people like you in a room and have a conversation with you, and you know, and put it out there for people to see. And you're both doing music. Doesn't matter like how many fans you have. You're both doing music, so it's the same business. Exactly. So to me, it's irrelevant how many you know followers, fans, and stuff you have. i have you on so i want to talk to you
1: (laughs) oh yeah and it's such a food network kind of thing you know like artists make the work and then someone makes the stickers like a designer makes the stickers and then um people do promotion and that all of those things feed into creating you know an experience that like people can relate to because Mm -hmm. yeah that's so important like whenever someone talks to me about music and um, they're super stoked. My first question is usually like, oh, do you play music too? Because a lot mm. of times people play music and they don't feel confident enough to present themselves and set, because I didn't for a long time, you mm. know, and I've played music since I was three years old. And it's just <laughs> like, it took me a long time. Um, but I get so stoked when that opens up a conversation and someone says, oh yeah, you know, I, I play guitar and whatever it may be. Um, but I always, even if someone says like, no, I don't, I don't play music, like I always say like, well, that's awesome. We need people to come to shows too. I mean, like literally if people didn't come to shows, then we would be doing this for nothing. You know, <laughs> um, And so that like audience and uh, viewer involvement um, is such a key component to, to making work of any kind, uh, music or visual or, you know, just any kind of media, like it's it's super important. So I, I love that. I love that you're supporting people and that you move to a new city and you're trying to, you're just like, let me just meet people. Yeah. And like, I think it forming a relationship with people, especially in a new context, is so much easier if you have a project, you know, like if you are saying we're going to use what we do best and then work on these things together and then you make connections with that, you know, and it's not based on something frivolous and it's not based on like, I don't know. It's, it's based on something real, you know, that you can take with you and, and then use that with the next person. I think it's cool. I'm glad you came out last night. <laughs> it was a
0: good show. Yeah. yeah. So you,
1: where you're from, you never went to shows? No. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. Memphis is blessed. And you realize that when you go on the road that, like, Memphis has so much access to music. Absolutely. Constantly. And the arts in general. I mean, there's a lot of incredible stuff happening in the city. But especially with music, like, any night of the week, you can go see a band play anywhere and and like that doesn't happen everywhere else yeah. you know we're we're really lucky with that I'm and thankful for it and different
0: kinds of music too exactly like, like when uh when I was talking to Luis about what kind of music she has and I was listening I was like I, I don't know what to classify your music as <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, dude, we don't either it's fine we've like gone back and forth when people ask me I'm like Theatrical pop rock. That's what I say. <laughs> um, that's that's perfect. And the other day, Louise used a term and said, called us orc dorks. Orc dorks. Um, because we were all in band and orchestra when we were growing up. And oh. we kept playing. And that's the thing is like a lot of people, like when you're in high school and stuff, you know, you like pick your hobby and it's like sports or debate um, club or, you know, student council yeah. or music. And um, I, I don't know. I think that that's really... Fun, yeah, you know, to just like keep playing, but yeah, the the genre thing is funny. For a long time, we were like, Symphonic Chamber Rock, mm-hmm. and <laughs> we we're like, That's not really it, <laughs> so it changes. A lot of times, someone will say, like, they'll pitch a phrase, and they're like, Oh, yeah, that's it, so <laughs> right, we're gonna hold on to that one for like three months. That's pretty cool, <laughs> it's very fun, yeah,
0: yeah. I was, um. I was paying attention to the guy on the base and yes. I was like, <laughs> Gunter. Hey, yeah, Gunter. So yes. he was, he was just going in on that. And so I was telling Rachel, uh, my wife about yes. it. And uh, I was like, so. Uh, I don't know how this is originated, but I like to make up random stories Love and tell it. Rachel this is actually how it originated. Uh-huh. But um, I was like, see the way, like, how hard he's going and how he's, like, hitting that. I was like, mm-hmm. that's why they invented the phrase, like, put some slap
1: on it. Yeah. Like slap, slap the base. Yeah. Slap <laughs> the
0: base. I was like, I don't know. But it reminded her of some movie. I think it was I Love You Man. Yeah.
1: Slap the base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 <laughs> that's I mean, why I immediately said that. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't
0: seen the movie. She was it's telling me the phrase movie. last night. You oh, should
1: okay. See it. It's awesome. Yeah. And I was. She talks about friendship.
0: Uh, so I was like, yeah, that's that's where that came from. But I was like, so me being a, a producer and a, a student of music. Yes. It's so hard for me to just like listen to y'all's music. That, like while I'm listening to it, I'm like analyzing it. I'm like, mm. man, what what was the drummer thinking when he, mm-hmm. you know, when he did this? And what, what why does she play her violin like a certain way it, that's just how my mind of goes course. like while I'm listening but it's it's awesome to do it live yeah. because now I'm like oh okay so they they must have did that first and then my mind's just going everywhere oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's cool though yeah that doesn't happen with a lot of people oh no probably That's like very probably barely. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who went to music college and she has said the same thing mm. is that it took it has taken her years to get past the analytical standpoint of watching music because mm. she's breaking it down
2: yeah
1: and so on my end with visual art like i make visual art as well and that's what i went to school for um and so with visual art i'm very like process and detail oriented like i want to look at the piece of work and understand what what materials they used and what they did first and okay. all of those different things with music it has been really interesting to see how playing in this band has um made me pay attention to things when i'm watching music live in a totally different way yeah for instance i saw have you heard of the band the faux killers i have not okay they're rad i'll send you a link okay. um they played at bar KDC last weekend and i've seen them play a million times we played shows with them and for some reason the guy that was playing the synth um and the keys I, he was just, like, right in front of me, and I could watch him in a way that I've never been able to see, and it was so enthralling, and mm. I was just like, oh, man, I feel like I'm learning something, and I was <laughs> watching him just, like, tune these different moments and, like, watched him. I have started paying attention to parts, like, people, like, even when I was watching Marcella last night, like, just watch watching parts, and that is... It's a hard thing to write parts that mm. don't sound cheesy and haven't already been done a million times before. Um, it's especially hard to write parts with an instrument that is different from your own. Okay. And so um, I'm trying to pay attention to how different kinds of instrumentation works with different bands and and how like a guitar and and keys will come together to make a part that supports the the lead vocalist or whatever it may be. Um, So I'm not quite at your point, Mm. (laughs) but like breaking it all down. But I'm, I like that you're so analytical. That's interesting. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we hope for, you know, because there is a lot of thought that goes into the process of all of it. Yeah. So I don't know. We had a really cool experience recording a new single this week at Young Avenue Sound. And um, Louise had written this piece and originally she just wanted to record it with vocals and keys um, and a little bit of. Mm -hmm. And she presented it to us at at rehearsal and we all immediately really responded to it and started writing parts for it. And that has never happened (laughs) at all. Wow. And and that was really rewarding to see growth within our project Mm -hmm. uh, that, that we all kind of very instinctually understood who needed to go where And that kind of thing. Okay. Um, Yeah. So it was really cool.
0: So you're all just kind of following the flow of like what one person says, like, "Hey, uh, what about this?" And then you just kind of you feed off of it. It's like an energy.
1: Mm -hmm. Kind of. Yeah. And that's something I've always been so curious about is songwriting. Like, because I can't write write lyrics for shit. Like, oh, really? Can I cuss? Oh yeah, you're fine. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I can't. I can't write lyrics for shit. Like, I have never been. I've never been easily like inclined towards that, um, but with Louise specifically, we have usually written either right before we go to the studio or at the studio, mm. which is cool in its own way, but it takes forever. It is not efficient, <laughs> it is not time efficient, and it is not financially efficient at all, mm. um, and I think that's something that Louise is trying to really focus on right now, is just making the most of our time as a band and what we can do. And so we had this rehearsal and we wrote these parts and then we went to the studio and we had our parts ready and we mm. had to tweak a couple things. Um, but we got it done really fast and it sounds good and it was in tune and I tracked with the horns instead of just tracking by myself. And like uh, that, that level of growth within a project is really cool and something that I've never experienced um, as far as like this timeline goes where yeah. I'm playing with the same group for the most part, you know, like Victor played with us for a while and we've had some different bassists and some different drummers, but, um, where like, you know, two and a half years into this, we're really hitting a sweet spot with understanding our process because like people that say that they don't make stuff until the inspiration hits, uh, are speaking from laziness and a lack of understanding that like the only way that you're going to make work in a consistent way is by like understanding your rituals and what you need to to do to get the work done, you know, and make the craft, uh, mm. you know, make the product instead of just like sitting around waiting for like an idea to come into your brain. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I, um, I thought something that was crazy that Louise actually brought up was, um, she was saying that she had all these songs written in her phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, that's wild. Cause like, so, I make my own beats, yeah. and I and I and I buy beats. Yeah, I listen. Too. I listen
1: to a little bit of it. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. it's really good. S-
0: so basically, when I have a beat and I decide to make a song, like I start writing to that, mm-hmm. and then I record it, mm-hmm. and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never like write to a song and then just like stop. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like like as soon as I start recording, which I do have the advantage of knowing how to produce my own songs. Of course,
1: that's incredible. And having
0: my own studio right. here, so I can just like write and right. record whenever I want to but it would drive me nuts to write to a song and then not record it and then just like have it like in my phone just sitting there yeah and I mean I hear people like who who do it full time they do that a lot like yeah. they have a ton of songs like uh, what's his name Mac Miller had just yeah. had a new album come out and I was like that is insane right. because they probably have so many, he might have like a hundred songs stored away in somebody's hard drive mm-hmm. that they're just going to probably slowly start releasing since he's dead. But I'm like, that's wild.
1: <laughs> Dude, that is the sign of like true proficiency in an artist. I think that, um, when, uh, Salinger died, the author, do you remember the guy that wrote Catcher on the Rye? I do not. Okay. um, uh, Educate me like an like an angsty teenage coming of age story that was written. I'm not even gonna say a decade. I want I want to say the 60s, but I can't remember. But J.D. Salinger, when he died, uh, they found like a vault full of stories, Mm. and he had just been sitting on work, you know. And I think that like that's the hardest thing to do. I'm very like I want to be instantly gratified with. Mm with the work that I'm creating. Yeah. I don't like online shopping for that reason. Like <laughs> I wanna touch a thing yeah, yeah. and then I want to take it home. Hmm. And it's like I'm very bad at uh and it's that service industry mindset where I'm just like, what's next? What's next? What's next? You know? And even in my life, I'm very much like, what's next? What's next? It's hard for me to sit in like the present day. Yeah. And um that is definitely something that I've learned from being friends with and working with Louise is she always has like a back file of lyrics and thoughts because the the song doesn't just exist in one format it has so many layers and it takes true time to make something that's worth making you Mm -hmm. know with that um and that's kind of it so i uh am a visual artist and i'm planning an art and music show uh that is taking place on june the 9th um and I've never planned a project <laughs> six months in advance. And okay. really like two years in advance, because like I started thinking about this right after I finished my last show.
2: Mm.
1: And I ha- it has so many layers. Like there's a zine, and there's a food component, and there's music, so we're writing music, like a soundtrack for mm-hmm. the visual art. And there's like a woodworking component, because I'm building all of these frames and walls for things. And then there's like the promotion aspect of it and there's the digital marketing aspect of it. And all of these things take time. Yeah. Like that uh, is growing me for sure because I have to think about something like super far in advance and break it all down. And I have a, a note in my phone that's <laughs> full of pictures and titles and phrases and blobs of thought and things like that, then I'm like, I'll come back to it. Mm. I'll come back to it when I have the time to process it and like really think through it, you know? And it's the same thing with making making music, you know, and writing songs. And I think it's so important to like track your brain, you know, and like track your thoughts and keep up with like how one thing connects to another um, especially with like making creative work, you because yeah. it all feeds into each other. I'm yeah. a multi-hyphenate, that's a phrase I heard on a podcast the other multi-hyphenate? day Multi-hyphenate? Which means that like, uh, you know how people are like, jack of all trades and master of none? Yeah. Um, I call bullshit on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that like, there's a way to do it right. Mm. There's a way to, instead of being like, really mediocre at a lot of things, instead using a lot of things to create, to, to feed into each other, and to build up the practice of all the different things individually. So that's what I'm kind of trying to work on mm. with all things right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what other, I guess, talents do you um, do you try to master or you know do well as mm-hmm. as well as you know playing the violin?
1: So I've been an educator um, for the last. Like four years, and I have given a lot of energy and effort into being a good teacher and being um, uh, proficient at explaining how to uh, how to do specific skills. So, like drawing that's, and painting specifically. That's a
0: skill. Being able to explain yeah. things to people. You got to know it. Yeah.
1: And it keeps you up, and it's good. Um, everybody should teach. If yes. You, you know what I yes. mean? Yes. People who say that. <laughs> Uh, those who can't teach, you know, or whatever, that's also bullshit. Like, it, it, it keeps you on your craft in such a real way. Mm-hmm. I think there's such a l- side, side tangent. There's such a level of laziness with maintaining your craft throughout your life. And I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. But so teaching, and um, I try to maintain a practice of, like, daily writing. So there is a book called The Artist's Way, And I can't remember the author's name right this moment, but she talks about the benefit of morning pages. So waking up and just like immediately brain dumping what's in your mind to get you clear for the rest of your day so you Hmm. can like do what you need to do, basically. Um, So my mornings start at like one o'clock in the afternoon most of the time because I bartend so late um, and play music late and that kind of thing. But... I try to maintain a practice of that and um, I keep a sketchbook and do a lot of collaging, very into like interior styling and putting work into keeping my surroundings fresh and interesting um, so that I like my life and I like my days, you know and that kind of thing. Yeah yeah. So those kinds of things, and I run and I do yoga. <laughs> uh, try to try to stay fit. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. Uh, something that you had brought up earlier. Uh, so I was talking to Jacob Allison. I think I pronounced his last name, mm-hmm. but so I was talking to him, and he was saying that one thing that he started doing uh, when he was starting his podcast was he started just carrying a recorder around, mm-hmm. just recording all his mm-hmm. like his thoughts mm-hmm. and the things that he was saying. And I was like, that's that's a pretty crazy concept. Like I. I don't think I would ever do that, but, like, if more musicians probably did that, mm-hmm. like, I, I do, so I'll come up with, like, beats in my head, mm-hmm. and I just have to, you know, later on just re- record it and then make it, but, yeah. like, that thing will be stuck in my head, and I'm like, if I don't record this, gotta get it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta get it out somehow, get it out. so, yeah, it's it's pretty wild.
1: Uh, Liz Gilbert talks about that. Yeah. Um, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, but she also wrote this book called Big Magic and talks a lot about um, like the, the, the thing in your brain and you chase it, you know, and uh, who is it? Another author talks about that, too, and just like trying to trying to get it, you know, because it'll, mm. it'll like be there and it's like this ethereal thing um, and you have to get it out. But yeah, like recording your thoughts is so important um and your ideas that's why i have 5 million notes in my phone <laughs> and they're all split up i have like a like a you know a bits and bobs kind of note and then i have a a cbs list and mm. and i have you know like a music list and then things to put in my calendar and like stuff like that but with uh yeah with tracking your creative thoughts i've always kept a sketchbook like in in college that was something that was really important in high school i mean like i've always had a a physical place i'm a very analog human like i've always had a physical place to keep my things you know and like my memories and my thoughts um and my practices but there's uh an i mean an artist named austin cleon and he uh has what he calls his daily log book and he um keeps like his, his book with him, his notebook with him all the time. And that is the coolest thing on Instagram to me to see is people who make work and are making money from making work to show the daily grind of just like what it takes to get to that point, you know? And part of it is like being consistent with tracking your thoughts and all of those things. There's gotta be a system to it, you know? Otherwise,
0: it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> See, I saw uh, Wiz Khalifa. It, was, it started a long time ago, but I think he actually still does it. Yeah. But he had these videos called day-to-day videos. Mm-hmm. And so whenever he was like, just every like random days in his life, he would just record mm-hmm. him doing it. And I was like, that is so, it's, it's such a connection with his fans. Because mm-hmm. like people are probably always wondering what musicians are doing yes. all day. Yeah. And the funniest video I saw was um he was on his tour bus mm-hmm. and he had he was like texting somebody on his phone or whatever and he like throws his phone and then he starts walking away and his phone falls on the floor and he was like oh, and then he walks back and he picks it up and it cracked. He was like did y'all see that? <laughs> and then when they play it back, you can uh you see him throw the phone and it like slow motion just like comes back off the bed and cracks. And oh, I was like, "No." Those are the types of things that people probably yeah. actually enjoy to see. Like even somebody as big as Wiz Khalifa is
1: Cracks his phone. Still
0: cracks his phone. <laughs> right.
1: I love it. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. It's so true. It's so easy to idolize people, you know. Um And man, we need those like humanity reminders yes so hard yeah i've definitely that's why i listen to podcasts all the time (laughs) all the time that's very much like how i i spend a lot of time alone because of the way my work schedule is oriented Mm -hmm. and i don't mind that i love that i'm like quite extrovertedly introverted but um that is one of my favorite things to do is just type in someone's name. Like if I hear of like an author, an artist, or a musician or something, just like type in someone's name into like the podcast app and then just look at all the episodes that they've done interviews with, you know? Mm. I and, didn't know it was a thing. That's, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely how I find stuff. Like the other day I got on this kick about like Twyla Tharp, I think is her name. She's a dancer, um, very famous, like ballet, ba- ballerina and um, choreographer. And she has written all these books about creative collaboration and um, just, like, maintaining a practice. But her, her true, like, thoughts shine in talking about collaborating because dance is such a collaborative effort. Um, but, yeah, I, like, typed her name into the podcast app and then found, like, five interviews with her. And she, this one was so old. She's, like, 95 <laughs> years old. Oh my God. She's, that's, she's not that old. But she's oh. very old. She's <laughs> in her 70s. Um, but she is – Still making work and not giving herself excuses. And, like, that's awesome. That's really cool to me. Yeah. But, um, but she's an icon, you know? And then we have this magnificent gift of like social media and, uh, you know, podcasts and YouTube and all of this information just like sitting in our pockets. Yeah. And I'm just like, I want to educate myself and <laughs> know what these people are doing on yeah. a day to day basis and what they think about, you know? Cereal. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: what podcasts are you listening to?
1: I mm, lots all the time. So, um, I listen to uh, the one about the multi hyphenate. It's called Control Alt Delete. Okay. And it is a, a podcast with a British woman who coined the term multi-hyphenate and talks to people a lot about, like creative people, about um, what it looks like to live a life that uh, is different from your peers and um, that's different from what society says that you should be living. And not even in like uh, a naughty alternative kind of way, like in a, um, you know, my schedule is like 9 to 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. a lot of times, you know, and I'm okay with that. And like, how do I make that work? for the best of my ability. Um, learning from other people in that podcast is really awesome. I listened to a podcast called unstyled, um, with the editor of refinery 29. And, uh, I really like personal style and like, uh, the way that people use their things and themselves to tell a story to the world. And that podcast focuses a lot on like what people wore at the, biggest moments of their lives and Mm. how they chose to present themselves in those ways because that matters and we think about it you know a lot of people think about it and uh I like I like that a whole lot uh I've always listened to art for your ear which is with Daniel Crissa um she runs an incredibly famous blog called the jealous curator uh and every day for a many many years she's posted um work from artists all over the world well known and otherwise um And she interviews artists, and that's really cool. So, those are the three that I'm definitely like listening to a lot right now.
0: Okay. Yeah. I actually uh, so probably the the number one and two podcasts I listen to is uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's, it's a podcast called My Favorite Murder. Have you ever heard of that? Oh
1: yes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: those are probably my true two murderino. Podcasts. Yeah, <laughs>
1: been listening since the very beginning. That's fun. Nice. We can geek out about that. <laughs> I love that podcast. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a very. Very interesting way they they thought to put it. I've never heard of another podcast yes. doing it that way.
1: Comedy but, and true crime.
0: So if you've never heard of the podcast, basically what they do is um, people send in stories, mm-hmm. and I think they wanted to start out with like hometown murders, mm-hmm. but it ended up turning into just like people were just sending them crazy stories. Yeah, <laughs> and you're talking um,
1: about the minisodes right now, though. You're yeah. not talking about their full form, like two hour. That's the Monday episode. Oh,
0: I see. I didn't know that. I just kind of just listened. Like I noticed there was a difference between like the mini episodes and then the um, whatever else they have yeah. Like the live ones yeah, too. They do. But I just I just listened and I, I didn't know what the real difference was. But if you're more than welcome to explain, because I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh, I just love them. <laughs> um, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark uh, started this podcast called My Favorite Murder because they bonded at a dinner party over um, some story of a serial killer and everybody was really weirded out and they were really intrigued with each other's knowledge about the serial killer story. And um, yeah, they made a podcast about it. They just like started recording their conversations in like on a couch at one Mm. of their houses years ago and like probably three years ago, maybe longer than that. Um and they took off. They are such an example of like DIY podcasting uh, blowing up because mm, like okay. they're making money. Yeah, yeah. like they are wealthy now from this. Their for careers sure. are set for sure. And that I mean, they own a podcast network now. They literally like own a space, like a physical space, like a podcast recording studio. They go on like worldwide tours. They have a fan base that touches everything. And it's because they made, like, talking about something that literally happens every single day. <laughs> Your face, you were like, no. Oh. Yeah, it, um, it just kind of, like, drooped. Yeah, they they made something so terrible, but that happens. Yeah. An accessible conversation. Um, but, yeah, so the way it's broken down now is they have mini on Monday, which is what you're talking about, which mm. is the true crime stories. I mean, the hometown murders. Um, and just like random shit that people find in their walls, which I love. And like, Oh man, yeah, those are crazy. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> or like people that have been living in the attic for three years, you know, oh. which is terrifying. Cause I have an attic and a basement and I hate both of them. If
0: you, if you go through this, so there's a closet right here. Yeah. And if you go in there, there's another door to your right. Uh-huh. And it's just like, so I have just like phone I'll show you after the podcast but there's just like um like the insulation right behind here mm-hmm. but you can see up into my attic right there and uh-huh. like while I'm recording I'm just like please don't let there be some gremlin uh-uh. <laughs> it's like, that's how I'm saying you know yeah you
1: know that gremlin's there they're
0: watching me there's some homeless person that snuck into the house it's al- I,
1: yes that's always it and they're like so well intentioned and they literally uh, don't want to hurt anybody they just want to eat your food and take a shower yeah. when gone. <laughs> and like all right dude like that's not the worst it could be uh. you you know, but yeah, then Tuesdays, I mean, Thursdays they have like long form two hour, two hour podcast. Okay. You know, that kind of podcasting as someone who spends a lot of time alone is really nice because mm-hmm. you feel like you're involved in some kind of social expression Yeah, uh, because you're listening to people talk and, and conversate naturally. And that is really cool. I like that kind of podcast. I listened to another podcast called Let It Out with Katie D'Alebeau, I think that's her name and it's like about mental health and uh, mental health and spiritual wellness and these kinds of things um and that's how she does her podcast mm. it's just like long form conversations with people exactly what you're doing where it's just like it's uncharted and it's natural you know and i like that and that's what they've done with like true crime which yeah. is kudos to them because that's a that's a tough one right there it is it is
0: you know? and th- i mean you can tell like some of those stories are just like it's just like man <laughs> <laughs> That was deep and like I people it's just like the people's family members and when they when they're telling these stories, a lot of them are like, um, they'd be like, and I was talking to my aunt and she was like, Did I ever tell you about the time like yada yada yada? And yeah. I was like, that's a crazy story to just yeah. bring upon somebody. <laughs>
1: and we all have those stories yeah. that someone has told us, you know, that feel like too big to believe, you mm-hmm. know, and you're just like, Oh man. That really happens. Yeah. You know? I love that. I like I like that they draw attention to those kinds of things. Um, but they have really done it, dude. They have, like, an online fan base and fan community. That's also what blows my mind, is these podcasts that, like, develop Facebook groups and, um, like online message boards, like many Reddits all over the place about just their podcast. (laughs) But like that speaks so hard to people need community. Like people need to have connections to people in some way. And I'm not even being a grandma about like, we're stuck in our phones. Like (laughs) phones are cool. I love my phone. I love access to knowledge. Like we've talked about. I also like cat memes, you know, like (laughs) no, it's not that serious, but like... We need to be around people, and we need to we need to know people's thoughts, and we need to like feel like the world is not so big. And podcasts help with that because it's so nichey and specific if you want it to be. And yeah, you know things that where you're like, I never thought anybody else ever thought about that kind of thing, (laughs) and you're like, Oh my god, you're really into like analog collage too. You know, you collect postcards from the 1930s. Yeah, wow.
0: Freaking, so Joe Rogan, him and um, Joey Diaz, like they will go on these conversations mm-hmm. that I'm just like, y'all could have left that out. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, some people are probably glad to hear it. Yeah. Like Joey was talking about how he poops in the shower and he would take his turds and throw them in the toilet. Yes. And I was like, oh
1: my. <laughs> God. I've never heard of anybody doing that. Yeah,
0: exactly, and I was like, you know, there's probably somebody out there that probably does the same exactly. thing. Exactly,
1: and they're like, oh my god, I'm not crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, honestly, if you're pooping in the shower and you're physically removing your turds afterwards, you're not worried about if you're crazy or exactly. Not. <laughs> like you have that's no true. qualms about whatever the fuck you're doing. That's you know? true. That's like, true. You're okay. No, I love that. I think that's really fun. I heard of. Have you ever heard of chicken shit bingo?
0: no okay I so haven't.
1: apparently there's a new spot called Hernando's Hideaway and it's mm. like a venue in this area yeah it's off of Elvis Presley okay. it uh, was it's real divey and it was just rebought. um and they have music seven nights a week and they have uh, a live band for karaoke which uh, never happens so that's <laughs> really cool but they have something my friend told me the other day like called chicken shit bingo and you and wherever the chicken shits is like where the bingo they got a real chicken doing it. they got a real chicken <laughs> doing <laughs> it. <laughs> That's awesome. What have I been doing with my life? Oh, man. <laughs> but there's another um, – I know. I know, man. I know. I know. It took me a full, like, five minutes to be like, uh-uh, you're serious. Okay.
0: So we got the live ducks in the – was it the Peabody? The Peabody yeah. And then we got chickens doing bingo. Oh, he's
1: not really a Memphian. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. The live ducks. I'm like I – I never think about that. Um, yeah, there's also – so I'm, I'm really into just, like – Um, sexual education and like having honest conversations about relationships Mm. and like um, being in our bodies and stuff that people try to make weird that isn't weird because literally everybody goes through it or experiences these things. Um, And another podcast that I listen to all the time is uh, called The Savage Love Cast. Mm. It's with a guy named Dan Savage who is a columnist for uh, The Stranger in Seattle. And um, his podcast is full of so much gold, like so much gold. It is uh, structured as people calling in with uh, questions and conversations about like not just the romantic or, you know, relationships like that, but also like issues with families and how to talk about like, you know, how to come out to your parents and what do you do if your parents don't accept what you say and uh, how to deal with, like, you know, your really racist dad in like a wedding setting and True. Uh, where to draw boundaries and like all of these different things. But he's very black and white and cut and dried about it. And it is really awesome um, because like everybody, you know, has something. Some people shit yeah. in the shower and like people call in about that kind of thing, you know? And it's just like, okay, literally, there is someone out there for everyone. Yes. And someone is into what you're into whatever it may be but in the same way like with interests and hobbies and things like that someone's into what you're into and you, it's 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 worth it to find you know community in that way it,
0: it absolutely is and i think it's it's something that you know as you said like not a lot of people are really not a lot of people dive into that and not a lot of people are open to hey we can talk about it. <laughs> and yeah. I even, one time I posted on Facebook, um, what's something that most people aren't willing to talk about? I was like, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then people just started posting stuff, and I was
1: mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I was like this is made crazy. You an outlet. You created, yeah, you created that void, and yeah. people are dying to talk about the stuff that yeah. they feel like they can't talk about, you know? Um, and I think it's really cool to to give an opportunity for there to be answers that we haven't had yet, you know, um, and that's something that is really awesome about listening to podcasts and just access to to media content like that is that you can get opinions um, about something that's going on in your life, and and it can open your mind in a way that you would have never thought about it, you yeah. know. Um, And it's interesting. So I've lived in Midtown specific. I've lived in Memphis forever. um, But I've lived in Midtown since I was 19. And I've worked in the same neighborhood since I was 19 for the most part. And um, I've had the same group of really close. (laughs) Why yours? (laughs) Mine's just sitting right here. Um, And I've had the same group of like really close friends for a long time and um, you know, bartending, like, the deli runs on regulars. And so, like, most of my interactions with people at work for the last six years have been with the same, you know, 50 people for the most part. Mm. Um, and that's really cool and interesting and an interesting way to view life. But I'm, I try to be really conscious of, like, exposing myself to thoughts and ideas that are different um, than what I'm surrounded with. And even – so I was raised, like, very uh, – Conservative and and religious, and um, I was homeschooled for a long time, and uh, I always craved, and that and that was fine. And parents do the best that they can with the information that they have, and I'm a big believer in that. But um, so it, I always I would. Sorry, craved but that's a,
0: that was a really good way to put that. Parents do the best they can with the information they have. I've never heard that before. They do. but do. That's, that's genius.
1: Most like people it. do. Most people do. It's very rare that someone brings a child into this world and wants to do them harm. You know, I I try to believe that for sure. So I think that growing up and, and having radically different views on most everything than the family that I was born into has been um, a challenge, uh, but one that has made me very confident in treating all people with love and kindness and respect and, Trying to think that they want to do the best that they can, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just like I'm, I'm thankful for that viewpoint. But that viewpoint came from um, podcasts, <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, and giving people chances, more than one chance, you know. Like shit's hard, life yeah. is hard. Yeah. Like we mess up, and you got to give people a chance to to try again and another chance, you know. And then you have to draw a line. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I think the the beautiful thing about life is being able to find out who you are and not even just who you are, but like who you can be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can, you've only got one life. So if you are, if you're going to be, you know, Jackson Henderson, if you're going to be that, then do whatever you want within that time frame. Mm-hmm. Even if you believe in um, like reincarnation, like you only have one chance to be that being Mm -hmm. like you you can't you know go back and be that that same being because like even if you believe in reincarnation it's you know you become something else and you know it might be have the same conscience or whatever but i always tell people like if you if you have the chance to do something just do it because Mm -hmm. worse coming to worse you realize hey i i didn't want to do that or i don't like doing that And then you just move on to something else. So just do as much as you can.
1: (laughs) You're allowed to change your mind. Exactly. Exactly. And your life is not charted. Yeah. Um, Regardless of what you believe about, like, you know, higher powers in life beyond this physical, tangible life, um, we have autonomy in our choices and our decision making and our path for life, you know. And I think that that is like one of the most powerful things is like putting the work in to figure out what you actually like and don't like uh, and not basing that on what people tell you that you should like, depending on what family you were born into or where you grew up or the education that you were given. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that we hold a, a great personal responsibility as humans to put it, to put in the work to figure out who we are and how we can best serve others, you know, yeah, yeah. um, and that takes time and that takes messing up and that takes saying, ah, no, not this way, you know, and like yeah. doing th- trying things again and trying things a different way. Um, and I, I quit drinking, you know, like a year and a half ago and nice. that was huge for me, um, because it has opened up and expanded my life, uh, to so many ways of existing that are so much better than they were before but I had no idea that it would be like that
2: hmm.
1: because I was doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, And so learning to try something different with that and practicing what it feels like to be a social person that is also sober and to be a musician that doesn't drink and those kinds of things uh, has not been easy, but it is so much easier now. And it makes <laughs> everything else so much easier, hmm. you know? Um, and it has given me a lot of permission to rethink things in my life that i was very um set on being a certain way and thinking that it could only be one way yeah and that's how people wake up when they're 45 years old and they hate their whole ass life you mm. know and i don't want to do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't think you have to do that you know
0: have you ever heard you know uh, gucci man the rapper oh yeah so
1: dude uh, <laughs> dude uh.
0: so he yes. um Everybody said, like, before he went to jail, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, he, he did whatever drugs, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they said when got he got clean. out, he, like, he got clean, yeah. and um, when he was He got they, clean in jail. Yeah. Yeah. They were interviewing him, and he was like, I just feel so much more focused. He was yeah. like, I, I've just hit another gear ever since mm-hmm. I've been out, because, I've you know, I've stopped doing drugs. I got clean, and um, even uh, Waka Flocka, who was with him, they've had their beef in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, like, brothers. And they just had their beef, but Waka went vegan and um and then he's st- I think he stopped drinking and stuff like that. And they asked him, they were like, Why <laughs> they were like, Why did you why did you go vegan? Like that was random. And he was like, I was tired of being tired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I was fat and tired, and he was yeah. like, I was tired of it.
1: <laughs> you get fed up with your own bullshit. Yeah. Like you stop making excuses for yourself. Yeah. It's so true. But there's so much <laughs> stigma around certain choices, you know. Um and there doesn't have to be that, but there will be for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Um, even something about someone choosing to go vegan. Like, I have several friends that are that are vegan and man, people try to just immediately be like, Oh, you're a PETA person, or oh <laughs> you think <laughs> every you think we don't love animals. And it's like, nah, man, people make dietary choices for like tons of different reasons. Yeah. And like Absolutely, we should respect and, and love animals and living things, you know. But, like, I just don't think that there's any one specific way to do something that's best for you. Yeah. And I think that that keeps people from making hard choices or lifestyle changes is thinking that there's only one way to do something. Hmm. Um, Especially in the context of sobriety and not drinking, um, but also in the context of, you know, going to college and like um, education and career choice. And like everybody does not need to go to college. Absolutely not. You know, Um, we need to stop telling high school students that everybody needs to go to college. That is a terrible decision. (laughs) We need some people to go be welders and be plumbers and like trades that trades. We trades, need to learn skills. Yeah, um, I remember I had a an English teacher in high school who talked a lot about like the value of work, and I and that's something that I really like respect in people is if they have a strong work ethic and they don't rely on. I mean, look, f- like families helping you in s- financial situations, those kinds of things, having support from you know your birth family is like a really powerful thing, but. um, for, for people who don't have that and they have to make their own way and they have to figure stuff out like in really like rock bottom kind of ways. I'm not saying that's ideal. It's yeah. not. But, you know, being able to pull yourself out of that is incredible. But having a strong work ethic in whatever you're doing and taking pride in your work. If your work is like installing drywall and houses and you're being the best drywall in- installer that could possibly exist – Or if literally you're showing up every day and you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're at the end of the day saying that's a job well done, we need to tell like kids and high school students and people that are coming of age that that's okay too and that you can still have a really valuable life without your work and the way that you pay your bills being the the end all be all of who you are as a person. Yeah. That's way too much pressure. Yeah. That does not provide room for growth. No one has a fucking clue what they want to do when they're 18 years old. Yeah. So why are we taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans? anyway? Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that's something that I've, um, I've been a big advocate for is trying to make sure that people understand that because, uh, so I've, I've talked to younger kids in, um, you know, middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, make sure you try stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. don't limit yourself to, yeah. to thinking that you can only do so many things in a lifetime. Just just keep keep trying stuff. Don't mm-hmm. don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to do something against the status mm-hmm. quo because a lot of people they'll they'll see everybody going one way mm-hmm. and they'll think that's the only way that they can make it to. Like mm-hmm. you you can find other ways and you can I think people are afraid to have hobbies. Like people are afraid to yeah. in, invest in something that they don't see immediate results from like it's it's okay to spend time on something that's that's artsy or crafty and if even if it's not like making you a ton of money just do it because you don't know when it's going to pay
1: off yes absolutely it's hard to be a beginner at something yeah yeah (laughs) it's very hard it's hard to have no starting point for how to do something and i think that uh, that keeps people from having hobbies, but yeah, man, hobbies are cool. Yeah, that's a question that I wish people would ask more when they meet someone. Instead of like, "What do you do?" and they're talking about how do you make money. Instead, be like, "What are you into right now?" Mm. You know, um, because that question is automatically going to form uh, ease between people because like you're not trying to get in my business and yeah, understand yeah. how what I do for a living. You know. Um, what do you what do you do when you're off the clock? Like, mm. you know, what gives you joy and you don't need to post about it? You mm-hmm. know? Those kinds of things. That's what that's what makes us human. Um and I love that. Uh so having played music forever, um, I don't really remember my life without playing violin because I literally started playing violin like as a child, child.
0: Yeah, I was about to ask, when did you start?
1: Yeah. Uh when I was three, um, and the the violin program that I did uh, is called Suzuki, and it um, you, you're supposed to start when you're very young. It's mm. like children learning other languages. Like reading music is a language, you know, in of itself. Uh, it's a knowledge of comprehension that you have to train your mind to understand. And um, so I did that forever, and played classical music forever. Um, and Suzuki, the Suzuki method trains all, all musicians, it's violin and cello and piano and, you know, several different instruments, um, to play the same way. Hmm. And, uh, there is a lot of power in that because you learn it right and you learn, um, the technique and the basics that, uh, you need to know. And you build a really strong repertoire of music on the flip side. It does not teach you to improvise. It does not teach you to play with instruments other than your own. Um, and it has been really cool to see that expand and to be still playing music because I definitely didn't necessarily think that I would be at this point in my life. But the power of music for me is that I, I don't put any pressure on it anymore to provide like, a financial foundation for my life. Mm. And um, I don't ask that of playing music. What I ask of playing music is to um, provide joy and community and um, inspiration to do other things as well. Um, but in planning this art show this summer, I am orchestrating and creating music in a way that I've never done before. And part of that is that I am I'm creating that outlet so that I can learn to play other instruments uh, more proficiently. And being a beginner at playing an instrument when you've played music your whole life is really, really annoying because I, uh, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> and I want to just know, you know. But I'm trying to take the pressure off of that too and just be like, It can just be sounds, you know? It doesn't have to be, like, this beautiful, shiny finished product. And I think that goes for a lot of stuff, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: that's one thing I have to to get on to my wife, Rachel, about is, like, it's okay to, like, start something and Mm -hmm. then, like, get frustrated. Mm -hmm. But don't think that the frustration means you should stop. That means it's time for you to press through and it's time for you to, like, all right. This now we got to focus. We have to get down to it. We were actually watching a. Um, you ever heard of Skillshare? It's a website. Oh, yeah. So we were watching a Skillshare, and there's a guy named Mark or Mike something. But he had, his entire YouTube channel is him learning skills. Mm, he cool. picks a random skill yeah. and tries to learn it and then he just documents him learning it. Like, um, he learned how to do a muscle up in like 82 days.
1: What is a muscle up?
0: So, a muscle up is like, um, it's like when you do a pull up mm-hmm. on a bar and then you uh, lift over the bar and like push all the way up. Ooh,
1: okay,
0: yeah. Cool. So, um, he learned how to do that in like eighty-two days. Mm-hmm. He learned how to do a kickflip on a skateboard in like five hours.
1: That's hard. Yeah. learning is hard.
0: When he had said that I was like, whoa. That's cool. <laughs> five
1: hours. Yeah, five no, that's hours. that's impressive.
0: And uh he did some other stuff, but it's it was it's really neat for somebody to just he's just a guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he he's no world class athlete or famous musician mm-hmm. or anything. Like he he's just a guy who was like, I wanna learn how to do stuff and then document it. Mm-hmm. So um he, that's that's all he does his entire youtube channel he's got like you know i think like a million followers or something like that but it's it's something that people should do more often mm-hmm. it's just try a skill and take your time with it and if you want to document it and so you can see see your frustration see your failure and a lot, a lot of people will probably look back and laugh at it you're like man i got mad over that
1: <laughs> and you see how mad you get about stuff that over time literally doesn't bother you anymore yeah. Yeah. that's a cool thing at like um a couple things documenting yourself learning a new skill is very important um even if you don't watch it for another year like <laughs> it will matter to mm. you it, at least it matters to me um with quitting drinking i did that every month i recorded like five or six minutes of me talking about what was hard what was mm. easy what felt better where i felt better coping mechanisms Practical, tangible, physical things to take my mind out of a place that it doesn't need to be. Those kinds of things, um, and that has been really, really cool to look back and be like, okay, so a year ago, that's where my mind was, and now I like literally don't even think about that anymore. Like, mm. I just don't care, you know. Like, uh, it's it's cool, and it didn't just happen. It took time, you know, and it took saying, all right, I'm going to start here. I mean, you got to start somewhere, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and then within like vis- the visual art community, there's a lot of conversation about the fear of starting and um the fear of being a beginner but also just this concept of the blank piece of paper um or the blank canvas and how that is so terrifying but something that a lot of artists talk about is how um one of the first things they do if they're going to make a new piece of work in whatever medium it is is to mess it up a little bit Mm. and to put some grit on it you know and um with like that wood panel if you're if you're painting or you're collaging uh Put a, put a flat color down or take your pencil and make a million scrubby marks. You're probably going to cover it up anyways, but at least it doesn't look like a, a, a zero, like you're going from nothing, you oh, know? And you okay. have put some skill that you have into it that makes it accessible for your mind to start working. Yeah, yeah. And with any skill, I mean, it's like with cooking, like that kind of thing. You know, people that say that they can't do something, I have said a million times that I can't do something or I don't know how to do something. But then a lot of times, you know, if you'll just start somewhere and you'll be shitty at it for a second, like, it'll be better. Um, do you Have you ever listened to the podcast This American Life?
0: This American. It sounds it's familiar, NPR. but I don't, I don't think so.
1: Okay. It's, a, it's good. It's a very long-standing podcast. And the host is a guy named Ira Glass. Mm-hmm. And um, he has a conversation about being a beginner. Um, I'll send you the exact quote. But he talks about uh, the shitty first drafts and mm-hmm. just um, accepting that, like, you're there's literally no way that you're gonna be good at something immediately. You know, you have to put the time in. And that is something that with teaching becomes really apparent too, um, on a couple different levels. So my primary role over the last couple of years has been as an elementary art educator. Um in a community setting. So, working with kids from all over Memphis in all different school settings, coming to a central location at MCA, um, which is like the art college in Overton Park that just closed, and taking classes in a non um, traditional education setting, which has been really cool. But, really little kids do not care if you understand what they think about sandwich, <laughs> what is in their mind. That's if it's a three headed monster eating a peanut butter and jelly and banana sandwich <laughs> on the beach, that that's exactly what they're, what they're going to draw Yeah, and it's going to make sense to them. And that's okay. You know, there's a lot of power in that. But with uh teaching violin, which I did privately for uh, a few years right after high school, um, like People do not sound good playing violin for a long time. It's real squeaky and bad and, like, isn't good. But the ones that stick with it, like, it's really powerful as as a teacher to witness that growth. And it is a really strong reminder that, like... Um, You can get better at something, you know, that is hard. Playing violin is hard, you know, and it's uh, that you can't get better at it. You just have to keep doing it and make the squeaks and, you know, your bow's going to fall off your violin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I heard uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson say, um, what was it? Oh, he's like, nothing on this earth is hard. You just haven't spent enough time doing it yet. And Mm -hmm. I was like. That's, that's a, That that's a takes crazy. excuses yeah. to yeah. run out of the scenario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: If Neil deGrasse Tyson says it, it's like, well, you're right. Yeah. Like, obviously, that, you're right.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a great concept because, I mean, yeah. if you think about anybody who's great at something, mm-hmm. like a, a sports athletes or NBA players, NFL, like, the reason why they're so good is probably because they spent a lot of time doing what they're doing. And any musician or if you're a, a scientist, what, whatever you do, like – you're probably put in a lot of time. That's why you're good at stuff. Mm-hmm. Most people usually don't day one something and become a professional.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that the idea of like natural talent is such a cop out. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way that I think that waiting on inspiration is a cop out. I think that natural talent is a cop out. Mm. Like when that was something I heard over and over again with teaching is just like, Oh, I can't draw. Oh, I'm not an artist. Oh, I'm not artsy. Um, Yeah, sure, because, like, you haven't tried. (laughs) I like how – I do like you talking about, like – it's so interesting because, like, you talking about athletes and just, like, your references for people that stand out in your mind that you associate with this concept are different from mine, and I I enjoy that a whole lot. I like how, like, umbrella, like, broad focus this concept of being a beginner is Mm. because it really is true. It goes beyond – like my mind immediately goes to like creative practices and mm. uh, you know music practices and things like that, but it's so true. Like with athletes, with politicians, with people at academia, you know, um, all of all of those those people put in the same the, the people that are really good at something fuck being really good at something, like the people that maintain and are consistent in something that they, that they care about and that they prioritize in their life, um, that it all comes from the same place of, you know, assessing your skills and what you need to know and then doing something with it, you know? Um, and that's something that I've been really struck with over the last, like, couple of weeks is just taking things that are working in one area of your life and applying them to other areas of your life in a very practical, like, three-step situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, if something is challenging in a mental health way, what are physical, tangible things that you can do to move your body, to clean an area, to take a walk, to get your, you know, body moving so that your mind doesn't have time or space to think about the thing it was thinking about. And usually that works, you know, yeah. and just like applying those different like tac- tactile methods to lots of different things and not just one thing, you know?
0: So what's your best way of learning? Like, how do you, like, this is my method of learning. If I'm going to learn a new skill, mm-hmm. this is how I'm going to attack it.
1: Great question. Um, definitely educating myself. I, like on, on YouTube, watching a YouTube video or um, listening to a podcast about something. Um, I do a lot of writing and uh, I keep whiteboards, <laughs> like a little mini whiteboards really? in like different areas of my room. So that if I'm like listening to something or if I have a thought, kind of what we talked about with that whole like getting things down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can write it down and like come back to it later and I don't have to be on my phone. Um but trying to find some kind of consistency in it. So with doing yoga, we'll talk about that. So um, that's a (laughs) non-creative version of this. Uh, Started doing yoga in college at University of Memphis and um, had a great experience with it for the most part and um, understood the basics of it. Yeah. But then I was really, like, I don't like social exercising. That just, like, feels... Pretty ick to me. Talking about
0: like with other people.
1: In classes, yeah. Oh, okay. Don't like that. I spend a lot of time with people. So I like to do those kinds of things kind of solo. But then I wanted to bring a practice, like a yoga practice home. And uh, and so I found this YouTube channel called Yoga with Adrian. And Oh my um, god, I know I what you're She's great. She is. She but is. she has all of these 30 day practices where you start, it's like at the end of this you're going to do a headstand for three minutes. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, you absolutely will not. But over the period of 30 (laughs) days, we're going to gradually build into you being able to do this crazy feat of physical force, you know? Yeah. And it's so accessible, but that kind of consistency and having something already planned is great. Or you talked about Skillshare. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another... There's lots of different platforms like that. Creative Life, Chase Chase Jarvis. He has a great podcast too. Um, And then uh, Creative Bug. So doing classes, I learn really well in like a class format, you know, in like having a syllabus and a list of objectives and meeting those objectives. Mm. And so if I apply that to other things, it's a little bit easier, you know. Um, So, yeah, that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a big – I'm a big visual person Mm -hmm. and then also –
1: Definitely a visual person too. Please show me. Do not talk to me. Yeah. Show me.
0: And I'm big on just being Mm hands-on. So like if you you want me to learn something, not only do I need – not only do you need to show it to me, Mm -hmm. but I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Like I want to – I want to mess up on it. I want to be able to get my hands on it and be like, oh, okay, well, th- that makes sense why this doesn't work because I have to do this. So, like, my job, I do a lot of electrical work mm-hmm. and then also just um, working with, like, computers and stuff like that. So when I'm when I'm looking at stuff, I'm just like, okay, this might be this way, this might be that way. So it's a, it's a lot of theor- theoretical types things, mm-hmm. but I love the mechanical aspect of it because I like, to just be hands-on and to change things. And a lot of times I'll ask people questions that <laughs> that they don't even really, they never thought of yeah. answering. Yeah, because... that's why
1: you're good at this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because they're like, uh, well, that's not even a scenario. I'm just like, it hasn't become a scenario, mm-hmm. but it could be a scenario. Mm-hmm. So I, I love theoretical thinking. It, it, it could be stuff that might never happen, but even if it did or if it didn't, I think the brain needs to be stimulated that way. I think mm-hmm. we need to think about yeah. things that that even if it might not ever happen, have the thought. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's how most creative writers probably do. Like, freaking J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. You created Harry Potter. And people have made that like their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that if she never had the thought of Harry Potter, who knows if that would have ever happened. And that... Like somebody like somebody else creating a Harry Potter, something and like she, Harry
1: Potter. And uh, she did that when she was like 45 years old or something like that. Really? I don't know if it was 45. She was older.
0: But just older, older
1: That's crazy. She was not in her 20s. Yeah. <laughs> you was, know, her 30s, like when she had this whole thing happen.
0: Yeah. 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 And you don't think of an older person having thoughts like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like Stan Lee, I don't know when he started with um, his comics, mm-hmm. but the fact that he – is contributing in the way that he did—it's—it's it's miraculous. Because you know, when people think of, you think of somebody being childish, and what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. At, at, at what point is somebody not allowed to have certain thoughts because it's childish, quote mm-hmm. unquote? Like you, me, and Rachel, our favorite—one uh, of our favorite shows or two of our favorite shows—is um, Adventure Time and Regular Show. Yeah. And, That might be childish to some people, but those are amazing shows as far as, like, their creativity Mm -hmm. and their dialogue, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like,
1: (laughs) that's that's something
0: great to watch.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that we should run towards the moments in our life that make us feel like a kid. Yeah. Um, That's something with quitting drinking that is, like, talked about a lot, is getting like figuring out what to do with your free time because like when you stopped drinking and it was a problem for you, then all of a sudden you have so much free time that you literally haven't experienced in a really long time. And so it's like, what do you do with all this like (coughs) space in your life and the ability to, you know, have a lot of fun in your days? And that's something that's talked about a lot is getting back to what did you like to do as a kid? And uh, I think that's really awesome because like... Being homeschooled, I spent tons of time by myself uh, when I was growing up and uh, like for years and I heavily invested in hobbies and um, wonder and play. I think that like creative play as an adult is something that will save your mind and your life, you know, giving yourself uh, permission to just tinker with things, um, to, to put some supplies out and... See what happens. And I think that that happens a lot of times. Like we talked about starting the process of just like getting going. Yeah. And I find when I have a lot of things that I want to do, um, that if I just do one thing that I know I can finish, then a lot of times that'll give me the momentum to immediately start working on something. Mm. And maybe I can finish. But at least I will have accomplished something, which gives my ego a pat on the back, and then I can start working on something that's a little bit harder. With music, um, the way that I was trained to practice my violin was to start with long tones, which is literally just pulling a long note on a string, Hmm. open, open string, no fingers, nothing. All you're doing is connecting with your body and the instrument, okay. and your mind, and like centering between those things, and then playing scales, um, and then playing those in succession in a certain order. Your your majors and your minor scales, um, and then playing arpeggios, which is like breaking the scales into thirds. And um, and then after you have warmed up, you know, and gotten your mind moving and your fingers moving, and um, you're listening and you're listening to intonation and all these different things, then moving into doing work on, you know, your piece that you're working on. Or in my case, what I do most of the time now is it's like, what music projects am I working on? So it's like, I'll practice different stuff with the and then I'll practice stuff that I'm doing on my own personal work. And then if I'm doing studio work for somebody else, then I'll practice on that. Or if I'm playing a wedding, then I'll practice those things that I always give myself like a comfort zone for 10 minutes at least, you know, I don't try to practice like for massive amounts of time anymore, but um, you know, I'll give myself 10 minutes to warm up and get into my zone, whatever zone I'm trying to be in. And, uh, and then I'm able to focus. And I think that like focus and attention span is something that we have royally messed up. Um, And I'm really thankful for the, for the practice of music and the background of music because It has taught me a lot about, like, uh, being able to stay concentrated on something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm not good at it all the time. I'm really (laughs) bad at it with lots of other things. But, yeah, I think it's important to give yourself, you know, something, somewhere to start, you know. And maybe that starting place being the same thing every single time. I think that's why people are so stuck on this idea of, like, morning routines, you know, Um, and doing the same thing when you wake up so that you just go and autopilot and then you're able to make your hard decisions later. Mm. Have you heard of this concept of decision fatigue? I have not. Okay. So I'm a Libra. Um, I don't know how you feel about any of that stuff. I don't really know how I feel about it, but (laughs) it's a nice filter through which to see yourself, you know? Um, but decision making is really hard for me because I am a gray area person and I'm able to see the the good things in lots of different things. And so it's hard for me to make like a concrete decision about what I'm doing with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, I kind of like, and I'm in a lot of leadership positions in my life and like have been for a long time and I have to make a lot of decisions about things that have to do with <laughs> other people. So like when I have to make decisions about myself, I kind of get exhausted from it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. And so... I ostrich effect and, like, put my head in the sand and just, like, Hmm. don't think about any of it. Um, But that's something that people talk about with decision fatigue is, like, if you have a routine for what you do when you wake up and when you go to bed or at some point, you know, within those time frames, um, your mind doesn't have to work as hard about, you know, what you're going to do. But, okay, so being in the military, is that something that you kind of experienced with, like, rituals and routines and, like, having order and, like, the same way of doing something. Do you feel like that trained you to be able to do things in the rest of your life?
0: It definitely um, helped me expedite making decisions mm-hmm. because in the military, like you have to make so many quick decisions, mm-hmm. and there's there's no time to think. Like there's no time to be to wonder what the best what the best decision is. You mm-hmm. just make a decision. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Just mm-hmm. make a decision.
1: That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, speaking of the using the word wonder. So when I was when I was in basic training, we we had like element leaders, and I was one of them. And I was <laughs> I was what talking. is an element leader? So basically, they had like when you're when you're marching, you have four people. At, and we were marching in columns of four, so mm-hmm. you had one row, mm-hmm. well, columns, and then rows. Mm-hmm. So we would have four people in front of each column. Well, I was one of those people that was in the front and we were pretty much like in charge of our whole dorm area. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) so as the four element leaders were in our MTI's office and we wanted to ask him something, I don't remember what Mm -hmm. it was, but I was talking to him and I was like, "Um, sir, we were wondering if he was like, don't wonder, just ask. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs>
1: being direct is hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I ever since then, every time I ask somebody a question, I always think about that. I'm like, don't don't wonder about the question. Mm-hmm. Just just ask the question. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that really helps you out in being a more a more confident person and being a more
1: direct person. There's a lot of goodness in what you just said. That's cool. Yeah. Um yeah, man, because I struggle with that. Like, I truly believe in being nice to people at all costs for the, the most part. Like, I really struggle with being direct when I need to be. Um, not in bartending. Like, with bartending, I'm like, get out of my face. Like, <laughs> I not just say that. I gave you excellent service for three hours and you tipped – eight percent that's unacceptable you're not welcome back i mean not to those extents but like with that because it is like my job and my financial well-being Mm -hmm. it's really easy for me to say how i feel especially if like gross dudes are messing with me or something Mm. like that i'm like absolutely not you're leaving goodbye you know that's really easy for me to be direct yeah but with other aspects of my life with making decisions and um with asking questions, asking for what I actually need instead of asking it in like an indirect, Mm -hmm. wishy-washy kind of way. I think a lot of that comes from being um, a woman who's raised in the South with a very traditional family life and the expectation of being, you know, um, a certain way. Those things are kind of hard to lose that are deeply ingrained. It's a mindset. It's a culture. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm working on it. Definitely. Um, I have some really strong women in my life that definitely provide like an example of that. And I know that the leadership positions that I an- aspire to in the projects that I want to manifest are only going to happen if I do active work on like it- making my decision making better, you yeah. know, and understanding how that works and speaking my mind and saying what I need. You know, those things are hard. That takes a lot of practice. And what you said is really interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's like uh, something I saw on the internet the other day. And they said, stop saying just. I was just wondering, you know, hmm. or I uh, I just thought, you know, you thought. Hmm. Like, ask the question. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I think that's
0: good. Who are some people that you look up to?
1: Hmm, I think it goes in phases of what I'm doing in my life. Mm. You know? Right now, I really look up to Jean Hawking, who directed our music video that we just released. Yeah. She was really powerful to work with, and there were a lot of instances in which she was very bold and saying what, like, that we had to be on time, and that um, we were going to keep a tight ship, and... Mm. uh, that no, we're only using these colors in this and um, that kind of thing. Okay, I learned a lot from her direction style. And I feel like a lot of the people that I've interacted with over the last few years uh, are acquaintances and peers in the sense that we do a lot of the same things and that we're in the same age range. Um, but I think that multi-generational influences are really important and friendships in those ways. So she's, uh, she's really powerful. There's a woman named Marley Grace and, uh, never met her, but she is like (laughs) my soul icon, I would say. Um, Who is she? She is a dancer and a, a writer and a creative, um, sober queer woman. And she lives in, um, Michigan now. She, uh, it's from grand rapids michigan and she created a resident artist residency and storefront space called have company that i found on the internet when i was uh like i don't know 20 and um my appreciation for and admiration of her has grown in layers throughout my life because like i wasn't sober and she has been sober for a really long time so i didn't appreciate that but then when i got sober i was just like wow you do all these cool things and this is why. And I never paid attention to that. Um, but she uh, she has done a lot of things in life that I hope to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as far as like, one of my biggest goals is to one day own a collaborative um, warehouse space that provides uh, a place for musicians to practice and of all ages, like high school up, um, and like a, a library and... Uh, kind of what Concourse is doing, like Crosstown Concourse, with um, having printers and um, materials and digital tools that you probably can't afford, giving access to those things based on a subscription kind of thing. Um, And so she's done that with different things in her life. But I really admire her, and I constantly try to pay attention to what she's talking about. So that's like a real-life person and an Internet person. (laughs) Okay.
0: Have you, uh, you contacted either one of them?
1: Well, Lara is in my real life. So, yeah, yeah, I hugged her last night. It was great. I was like,
0: thank you for making this video. Oh, yeah. It's really beautiful. Other than her, I'm
1: sorry. I've not contacted Marley Grace. I would love to. That's honestly on my list of things this year that I want to prioritize is like going and taking workshops and classes with some of these people that I like feel like I know on the internet um, because like I can buy a plane ticket and go and just like take their class and yeah. meet them in real life and then maybe build a connection on that you know so that's that's big brain thinking yeah so no I haven't
0: that's that's something I've, I've definitely uh, been interested in in doing is just meeting somebody that I, I don't know and then like building some sort of actual real relationship with them
1: you mean like a famous, famous ish person. Yeah.
0: Like somebody who I admire. Mm -hmm. Someone that you admire. Right. That's a better
1: way to put that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I even, so one of my good friends, um, Deandre, he, I met him through school Mm -hmm. in um, like full Sail university. And then, uh, it's actually, they have a physical school in, is it Jacksonville, Florida or I think it's Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in Orlando, but, um, yeah, so they have a physical school, but they they do a lot of online stuff. But it's for creators, pretty much like music, uh, videography, whatever. So um, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's literally based on that. So if and you go full, to full sale, yeah, full okay. sale university. Like I think pretty much most of their bachelor programs are twenty nine months, and it's mm-hmm. like twenty nine months straight. Mm-hmm. So all you're doing yeah, we don't is do that summer break. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody needs a summer break. It's, it's just straight into like music. Like I, I already had a bachelor's in business management okay. when I started Full sale. Yeah. So they took out, I want to say, five courses from my okay. program. Sure. But it's just, it was straight music, like the whole thing. And I cool, was like,
1: just like creating?
0: Yeah, and I was all like, the why producing is in stuff? all college like
1: that? <laughs> Literally, cut the bullshit. I do yeah. not need to take a – Physical geography class. Yeah.
0: I think they just do that just to hold you there for longer. Because if you really – They do. If you broke down college, it, it could definitely be condensed. And Full cell is the epitome of that. It's just you're the entire time you're doing straight your major. That's it. And in 29 months, you're done. And I'm like, man, all schools. And also um, – Full Sail has these, uh, dang, what are they called? Launch. They're called a launch kit. Mm-hmm. And in the launch kit, you get like gear. So I actually got, I got two of these microphones mm-hmm. in my launch kit. I got that um, my audio interface. Mm-hmm. I got that in the launch kit and I don't remember what else. But I got a bunch of stuff. Oh, I got a MacBook mm-hmm. and some other stuff. Now, the military paid for my school, but All that stuff, you can include it into your tuition. And so they just add it to your tuition, and then they just give you all this gear. And I'm just like, that's what school should be about. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly.
1: So do you get the... the the tools at the beginning of you, the program?
0: Um, you have to finish like a certain amount of courses because they don't want you signing up for like one month. No. And, and then. like, got a Yeah. Map
1: up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you <laughs> have to complete a like a certain amount of courses. Yeah. And then once you get to that point, then they send you all your stuff.
1: So love that. That's really cool. I'm definitely going to look at that. Um, what are the other programs that they offer?
0: I know they have videography, they have I don't I don't know if they have is photography. Graphic design one of them? Yes. They have um
1: That's sick.
0: I actually had to do so I did audio production. Yeah. And I actually had to make sounds for video games. Yeah. Like they yeah. they give you um a ton of software mm-hmm. that you have to download. And so one of the softwares is like um you you had to download a game and the game has no sound in it. Mm -hmm. And then all you have to do, you have to like create your sounds. It's another software that you create sounds in. And then you uh, pretty much just like import the sounds into the game. And then you have to just like, listen, you have to play the game and like listen to the sounds and figure out like, oh, shoot, I need to add more reverb to that water droplet. So it sounds more realistic. And I've got a, like we had to make our own sounds too. We had to make like foot, um,
2: yes. like hitting wood.
0: Yes. Yes. So I had, I literally, they gave us a zoom too, like the zoom, uh, recorders. Have you ever seen those?
1: No.
0: So it's like a,
1: uh, um,
0: like no, it's, it's probably about yay big. And okay. then it's got like two mics crossing like this. Okay. And most people use it like when they're like interviewing somebody. Yeah. Okay. So, um, they gave us one of those in the launch kit, but I literally had to take one of those and like take a, take a shoe and and, like, hit it against my floor mm-hmm. to, like, create the sound of walking. And then I had to input it into the video game. And all this is just, you know, I, I have to do this for my class. <laughs> and most people That's are not doing so cool. this. Yeah, exactly. So
1: they, you're on deadlines. And, like, yeah. how, can, how much does it cost?
0: I, I know don't remember. The military I, paid for it, but. I want to say it was, like. 50 grand, including, like, the launch kit. So, all the stuff that you got. Oh, yeah. Oh, I also got speakers. As I said, I got that Zoom recorder. and I mean, it was, like, the stuff, I'm not sure how much it was all worth, the equipment. Dude, but but
1: honestly, that takes the the question of choice out of having to buy the equipment.
0: Yeah, You don't have to do
1: research. They're just sending you, like, what you need. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: And, like, think of how many – so – Every not everybody's not rich, so you get to college, everybody and everybody is not rich. Right? <laughs> yes, <for> so sure. <laughs> everybody gets to college, and there's probably I want to say, well, when I went to school, like so I yeah,
1: where'd you get your bachelor's?
0: Uh, Jacksonville State University. It's so in from, Alabama.
1: Oh, is it Alabama? Okay, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah.
0: We so um, we actually played Jacksonville college, a Jacksonville University, that's in Florida. Yeah, I was going to say, we
1: went to Jacksonville on tour this summer. Really? And okay. And it was so random, but really cool. And so, yeah, it was
0: just, that was yeah. interesting. But, um, so, yeah, um, most, most students, I would say, don't have a laptop when they go to college.
1: No, How sure, hard
0: would it be to just add, I don't know, $600 to their tuition And just give them a laptop.
1: Take the option of choice out of it. Exactly. You need to have a laptop. And if you're 18 years old and you get a chunk of money, you're probably not going to buy a laptop with that money. Exactly. You're probably going to go party. So um, (laughs) they need to just make sure that you get that laptop. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that.
0: And another thing, uh, Full Sail gave us, so I told you they gave us a lot of software. They gave us Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see. They gave us Pro Tools. We had Logic Pro. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, what else do we have? It was just a it was a, a massive amount of software. Oh, uh, have you heard of Sybilis or mm-hmm. Sybilis or whatever they call it? We had that.
1: Sybailus,
0: and that's uh, right. yeah, and musician. That's mm-hmm. a that's another Apple software. But they gave us all this stuff, and I'm just like, all schools should be giving you laptops and giving you the software to either create or or do whatever you need to yeah. do to to progress as a as whatever career that you're trying to go into well
1: yeah and that's why so many students especially at commuter schools like university of memphis or schools that draw from that public universities that's why so many students the retention rate isn't great is mm. because they aren't set up to be able to do work and a place that isn't on campus yeah most students at public universities and commuter schools have jobs a lot of them have families and like responsibilities and you have to be set up for success and have the tools that you need to be able to do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and to to make something happen. I mean, it's that's really that's really cool. That's really, really cool. I'm yeah. very glad to know about that. Those kinds of options and outlets are not talked about enough. Yeah. It goes back to the whole like one way of doing something kind of thing. You yeah. know? Um but I like that. They're setting you up for success. You exactly. have everything you need. Exactly. I think that's really neat. I like the video game thing a lot. Yeah. Um, so I had the uh, true pleasure of working with some friends of mine in creating uh, a violin piece for um, a short film that they made. Nice. That was the most rewarding creative process uh, that I've ever experienced. It was very DIY. Uh, never done anything like that. My friends that were making the movie have never done anything like that. And we did it kind of backwards, but in the end it worked. Mm-hmm. So, what we did was uh, my buddy Josh, this is Studio 143, is uh, the name of the um, group. And my buddy Josh wrote a script. I have never read a movie script in my whole life. <laughs> so, that's its own language. Yeah. Um, he wrote a script. And there was no film filming done yet. There was no there were no visuals associated with the words. It was truly just the words, which is where this came from. Hmm. He gave me a vibe, he explained the story, and then I read the script again because I like literally didn't understand what was going on the first part because I didn't know how to read the script. Yeah. And so then myself and Josh and then my buddy Calvin, who re- records all our stuff at Young Omni Sound, uh, we We sat around and Josh read the script out loud like at the pace that the actors were going to be speaking. And then we and then I wrote something based on the pacing and the timing of how he was talking
2: mm-hmm.
1: that wound up working with all of the visuals of what it was later, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it was really cool. I think that those kinds of like responsive, creative exercises, um where you're using another sense to respond to like you know what i mean like if you're making something in response to what you're seeing or you're making sounds you know in response to what you're seeing or uh to create a certain vibe that kind of thing is really interesting to me especially if you're like smacking your shoes together i'm just like that is this the diy (laughs) content that i am looking for you know
0: Actually I, I just remembered that I brought all that full cell up to to finish another story. But <laughs> Yeah.
1: Okay,
0: yes, yes, finish. It was, it was about meeting somebody. So um, yeah, so um, my friend DeAndre, he actually he was in one he was in my first class in full cell. Mm-hmm. And so another cool thing that full cell does is it tells you who's all in your class mm-hmm. and you have like a like a profile. And so I I would go through everybody in the class and be like and I would just like Google. Them. I would just like look them up and see if they already had music Mm -hmm. out and stuff like that. And even if they didn't, like whatever their profile said, if they matched up with something that I do, like sometimes we would have like video game designers in our Mm -hmm. class and they were just taking the class to do like one thing and then they wouldn't be in it. So I would find everybody who's doing like music production and then I would like ask them like, Hey, do you have music out? Well, I did that to DeAndre, found out he, um, he rapped and I ended up, um, Let's see, that was in December of 2000, I want to say 2017 or 18, I can't remember. But um, I met him uh, when I came here, when I came to Memphis. I ended up meeting him in Louisiana, because that's where he's from, New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Drove down there um, and hung out with him for like two or three days, and then me and my wife came back up here, and then him and his wife, or his girlfriend, and... um, his kid came up here and they stayed with us Mm -hmm. and like that being able to just like be in the same room with somebody else who makes music and like
1: speak your language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) It was a gift.
0: It was a beautiful thing because being able to, instead of like doing stuff over, you know, over the internet and just like uh, messaging somebody just actually being there with them. It's, it's awesome. And we recorded like two songs while he was here. We did a cool. we did a music video. Cool. Um, yeah, I saw
1: you post a thing about the music video. Yeah,
0: like we, we That's fun. We, we've done mm-hmm. a lot of work together and he said he was gonna so this was actually great for me, gratifying for me. He said he was gonna stop making music. Like he he had done music, I think he said since he was like nine or something mm-hmm. like that. And um he said, "Yeah, man. I I legit stopped making music until I started talking to you." And you like made me f- mm-hmm. like start doing music again. That's and powerful. he I just I just produced his whole last mixtape. He just dropped it on the 10th. And cool. I, like I produced the whole thing for him. And I was like, "Man, I am proud of you, but we got a lot of work to do." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, bask in this, like enjoy it, but uh, we're going to hit the Yeah, we got we got a it. lot of work to do." So, um yeah, it's it's awesome to just Find somebody who you don't know, mm-hmm. uh, talk to them, and I tell people all the time: if there's somebody you admire, just hit them up on Instagram, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it's social so, media you do. So true. And just, just contact them because yeah, you never know what might never happen. Know. There's, um, there's a chick named uh, Doc Jenfit. That's her Instagram mm-hmm. name, but she does a lot of physical therapy type stuff. Like she teaches you how to release, like muscle release and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and exercises. Mm-hmm. And she lives in, I think, Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Well, um, me and Rachel are planning on going to Los Angeles over the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I hit up Doc Jenfit. She's got like, I mean, she's verified. She's got like 500,000 followers yeah. and stuff like that. And I was like, maybe she'll respond. I, I was going to ask her about doing a podcast. I was going to carry my Zoom recorder, yeah. carry the, the camcorder, and just do a podcast with her. And she responds. She's like, yeah, I should be available around then. Cool. So, boom. I can do a podcast with her. So I always tell people if there's somebody out there who you would love to talk to, just give it a shot. It's Try true. It's so e- true. email their manager, email them, whatever, just give it a shot. Cuz you know, as I said, you got a, one life to live, so you don't want to go out your life thinking like I never got to talk to that person. Dude,
1: seriously. And it is hard to just reach out to people sometimes. You are obviously very good at that because you're <laughs> good at just asking the question. Yeah. Um you talking about your friendship with DeAndre is really cool and makes me think about um, how powerful and important it is to have friendships like that in your life as um, a creative person. Um, But being friends with people who are, friendships that are based on work and friendships that are based on like uh, common interests uh, Mm -hmm. that are founded in that are very neat, especially as an adult because as children, we make friends based on who lives in our neighborhood and where we go to school and who our parents know and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, making friends as an adult is really hard. And, uh, I mean, not all the time, but, like, take some effort. Yeah, um, yeah, And that's why when we talked about having a project, you know, to, like, work on something with someone. Um, with Louise, uh, she was, like, mutual friends with uh, several people that I knew. I had seen her out. and who she was, you know. Um, I did not know her and she reached out to me, um, to record on her EP, uh, her first like self-titled EP that she put out. And, uh, I didn't know how I felt about it at Mm -hmm. all. Um, but then I was just like, you know, what the hell, we'll do it. Mm That sounds great. So I went, had a really awesome experience with her and then our friendship is like, so cool to me because we became friends through playing music and through accomplishing things together and through having really cool experiences i don't know like we played there's a band called lucero that's from memphis and they're really big in memphis and they have a long history and we played at their block party at minglewood um on a massive stage way outside of our league and uh at that time for sure because we had like really just started playing music regularly and i remember having a moment with louise where i was like this is so cool and (laughs) uh i wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for meeting you and playing music with you yeah yeah and like it is That is something that she and I both recognize a lot now is that the reason that our friendship works so well is because it's not based out of partying with the same people. It's not based out of um, because we've known each other forever. It's not a friendship of convenience. It's very much a choice, like a relational choice that we've made that's based out of, like, encouraging each other to do the best we can and holding each other accountable for what we're capable of doing. Yeah. Um, And it's really neat And it's very pure You know And I think that having Those kinds of friendships You're like Yeah we're gonna We're gonna hang out We're gonna shoot the shit We're gonna talk and chat But like really We're here to make stuff You know Um, Those are cool And they make you feel better As a person You know
0: What is something that I guess you plan on doing With your With your career Like I know you're teaching And do you have any Like specific goals As far as like you Know, um, I guess career wise
1: as a musician, mm-hmm. as a musician, yeah, interesting. No, I really don't.
0: You're just going with the flow, seeing what happens. I mean,
1: in 2020, um, as far as I don't really consider myself to have a career, a music career, that's you do. the thing. I don't, you, I don't, <laughs> I don't.
0: You're building stuff,
1: um. I definitely take it more seriously now than I did before. Um, It's not just something to do on the weekends with my friends. It's something that I think we can do a lot with. Um, So obviously continue playing with Louise. Um, And then hopefully we're going to tour this summer, which will be really cool. It'll be our third summer touring. And last summer touring was actual work and we got actual money for it. And it was really cool. Um, so hoping to just do that bigger and better, uh, with my show that I'm having in June, um, I am writing and recording music, personal music that I'm, you know, making, uh, for the first time ever. I've never recorded any kind of personal music. Uh, thankful to have good friends who know me and trust me and understand what I want to do and that they're willing to work with me on that. Um, Career-wise, otherwise, I've honestly recently had a really massive shift in uh, what I want to do in the near future uh, because – so the way I see it is, like, bartending, service industry work, that's just money, dude. Mm. That, Like, I can leave that at the door, and that's a wonderful thing for me because it requires a lot of brain power to do all the other things that I, that I do in my life. Yeah. Um, and so I – was really set on this, like, art education grad school track um, and getting my master's and uh, pursuing education at, like, an institutional level, writing curriculum, working with those kinds of things. And uh, and then I had this real moment where I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and um, I think I'm supposed to want to do that, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. And a lot of that has come from paying attention to what keeps me up at night and what I'm interested, what I'm actually into. And I don't want to commit the next two to three years of my life for getting a degree for something that I don't feel strongly that I want to do. Yeah. But I felt like I felt strongly that I wanted to do it, but it took some real soul searching to be like, that's not what I want to do. So I'm going to do this show in June and I... I Believe I have an investor for it that will help pay for all of the recording and then all of the like nitty-gritty of making this like a big party basically. Yeah. Um and I'm documenting all of it. I have my friends at 143. Um I've hired them to make a promo video for me. I will have um work to show for how I can put an event and an experience together. So I hope to take that and then apply for grants to do it again Mm. um, in either January or February of 2021. Okay. Um, Maybe uh, with some people from out of Memphis uh, bring in some uh, creatives and musicians from out of the city and then make it an even bigger experience. I'm very into this idea of (sighs) what was I talking to somebody about the other day? Things that only exist in one moment. So with all of our tech stuff we have like the ability to remember and record everything for the rest of forever, uh, which is really cool and like a gift of living in the 21st century. But in the same way that humans are lonelier than they've ever been because everything exists in a phone, uh, people crave um, meaningful social um, experiences. And I think it's really cool to uh, do some work in making meaningful social experiences uh that can only exist in like that one time so yeah those are kind of my thoughts for the next year as far as like creative career goes and so i think that's the idea of being a multi-hyphenate i kind of wrap that all up in one umbrella so thinking music career i'm like i can't tap into anything with that (laughs) but like cohesively music visuals experience social that kind of thing um those are all very intertwined, to me.
0: So. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, what about um, your art? I, I know uh, I've been looking at your Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do you call that? It's it's so like abstract is the best word I can. For sure, use. it is. I mean, yeah. So, what like how does that from brain to paper? How does that how does that come out?
1: It's different for different things. Um, I really enjoy assemblage. Um, and so that's usually what I call it. It's like assemblage or collage work. Meaning that I like seeing how w- things relate to each other visually and then making work about that. Um, so really like zine culture, really like cut and paste analog methods of creating things. Um, as far as like digital art creation that doesn't feel good to me to make that. So that isn't something that I do. Um, it is very abstract in the sense that you don't understand. Um, hold on. The work that I make has to be taken in context with other things. So um, that's why I always kind of try to provide, a. if I'm posting something on my Instagram, which I really don't think too much into that. And I – I'm okay with that. Um, but with putting stuff on Instagram, I try to share a lot of just like what I'm looking at. And like, um, like if I post a finished product, usually that product contains like seven different kinds of paper or mark making or paint or image or something like that. Um, and I really try to focus on materials that are accessible to me in a secondhand recycled everyday kind of way and not necessarily in like a I love the earth kind of way but much more so that things are more interesting to me when they have a story behind them and mm-hmm. when they've already lived a life so um like I really love the the inside of like envelopes and um just the the natural design that occurs in everyday life that we don't necessarily pay attention to um that could be like how I love grids and how this is split up into like a grid pattern. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So if I was making a piece of work and I was trying to base it on this room, I would pull the color of your walls and then I would pull this grid pattern and I would pull, you know, like the visual of the stickers and then lay all of those things out together and look at them in pieces and then start seeing what comes to the forefront and what goes behind it, and that kind of thing.
0: Um, do you know that that's not normal? Like, does yes. it?
1: Do you- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a weirdo, dude. Like, I know <laughs> some
0: some people who are very artistic, like you, they don't understand that other people don't think like that. Like you, like it's mm-hmm. so easy and accessible. Like your brain just like pulls it, and you you just go. But like most really artistic people like you, they don't They don't understand that nobody else can do what you do.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's like the inner monologue debate that's going on right now. You know, like people that have an inner monologue versus mm. people that don't. That's wild. <laughs> I hear voices in my head. Um, yeah, it is different. Um, and it's been interesting. It's definitely evolved over time. Mm. I had uh, like, a really, I had a couple of really awesome professors at University of Memphis that, like, teachers that stand out to me, um, Tad Ritson Wright and then Hamlet Dobbins. Um, I took a couple different, like, drawing classes with them, like, upper-level drawing classes with them. And the stuff that I learned in those classes has informed and, – and I took a bookmaking class with Sonny Montgomery. And those classes, those three classes, stand out in my mind as, like, the most influential – Um, studio art classes in my career and um, I learned I remember one time we were making something and I had a teacher talk to us about photo transfers and this idea of like if you print something on a laser printer it prints out an image that can then be transferred onto another piece of paper using Citrusolve or these markers called chart pack pens. And it's very physical and you have to like rub your pencil all over it and then press it and then like you lift it and it leaves the, the, mm. uh, the image. And I said something to a teacher about like completing a project and said, is that cheating? <laughs> Meaning that like I suck at drawing realistically and like i am so okay with that i can do it if i need to but like it doesn't look good other people are really good at doing that i'm fine with letting them be really good at doing that like yeah, yeah. i don't need to prove that to myself <laughs> like i have no interest in that at all yeah. also that's what cameras are for um <laughs> but i really needed to get this like repeated image down of a figure like a human figure and i was like fuck i am not good at drawing a human figure it's going to look bad it's going to look Childish and not in a good way. So I was like, well, if I take a picture uh, of myself and then I uh, copy it enough times and then I make this, then I can go in and the, and the image that it leaves is faint enough to where I can just draw over the image and it looks like it's hand drawn. Mm. And uh, there's still a lot of like organic like process in that. And like it doesn't feel like, you know, a coloring book necessarily. But I made it easier on myself, you know? I used the tools in my toolbox to make it easier on myself to, uh, to achieve the, the finished product that I wanted. And I asked the teacher about that and I was like, ah, oh, is that cheating? And he was like, who, what is cheating? That, <laughs> nothing is cheating. Yeah, yeah. And that blew my brain like way open. And I will never forget that, you know? And uh, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to go from that, but yeah. that made me think about it for sure. Um, but yeah, I know that that's not normal, Yeah, but it helps me enjoy my life. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I think it's, I think it's beautiful for people to understand their talents Mm -hmm. and then just, and just do it. Mm -hmm. Like some people that have talents and they they don't, they don't express them. They don't get them out there. There's, um, there's people I know who like think so crazy and I'm just like, You should be a writer. Mm -hmm. Like, you should write Mm -hmm. books because you don't think. We need people that think crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you don't think like everybody else. You could create something Mm. that people would get addicted to.
1: (laughs) I think thinking about thinking crazy, a lot of, like, untapped potential is creative problem solving, And I think that that is something I like to do in making visual art a lot is to give myself a problem to solve. I'm very project oriented. Like I need to give myself a project. Mm. And like, um, so with assemblage, um, putting a lot of, with collage, uh, I'm giving myself a lot of different elements that need to go together in some way. And that's interesting to me. And I'm, and I like thinking about it and you've talked about mental stimulation and how important that is. Um, that's what keeps us going as people. And that's what keeps us sharp and bright and looking towards the future and living in the present is recognizing where we need to solve some problems. And, you know, with like as simple as like service industry work and bartending, um, every night is different. And the people that I interact with are different. And the problems that I'm going to have to solve are different. And I can think fast on my feet in that scenario, you know? Um, and I just, I, I think that that is like an untapped potential in a lot of people is the ability to say, I'm I'm just not a dweller. Like, I don't like, I don't want to, if I'm sad, I don't want to be sad anymore. Like, I'm going to find a way to like change that, you know? So I don't like to live in the problem. I like to live in the solutions, plural, because there are always multiples. And I like to do that with art and I like to do that with music. I like to just know, you know, what what can we do to make this different or what can we make do to make this what we want it to be you know and how can we use the tools that we have to do that and what new ones do we need to learn so i don't know i think that's important
0: it is Mm -hmm. it is well it's been great having you on it's been cool um you should start a podcast
1: (laughs) yeah one day (laughs) you should
0: start a podcast
1: i want to start a podcast i like i can't give myself that project yet at this moment
0: Mm. okay we'll keep
1: listening to them. <laughs> it's
0: time. I mean, yeah. like, so I do video and audio. Some people just do audio. Some people, you know, they just have the video they mm-hmm. post. But um, it's it's fun. I mean, you get to meet random people. Yeah, I love it. It have gives you conversation. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. cool. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it's, it. it.
0: It's been great having you on. Awesome. Um, somebody else I should have on. I I keep forgetting to ask people this. But that's a great question. Who, who, <laughs> I forget to ask people this. But hmm. who's somebody else I should have on?
1: Joshua Cannon.
0: Joshua Cannon. All mm-hmm. right. Who's this? We should have
1: Josh Cannon on. Uh, Josh is my brother. Not my real brother, but he's my brother. Okay. Um, And he's a Libra like me. He's a weirdo thinker like me. Um, he's an empath. And uh, he has worked uh, in film and nonprofit and journalism. Um, he's been playing music since he was a little baby. He's really involved in this... Uh, community called that a lot of us grew up in in memphis um right out here actually in cordova um called smith seven records and okay. um diy music he's a really cool person and he is part of the studio 143 collective that gotcha. works at young avenue sound okay. he's doing really big things and he's a big brain thinker so you should have him on
0: gotcha cool. all right well uh thank you for everybody listening and uh see y'all next time yay Hey everyone, thank you for listening to Romero Records Podcast on your favorite platform. Whenever you get the chance, if you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe. Subscribing lets me know that there are people actually listening. If you don't hit subscribe, I have no idea that you're listening to this podcast. None whatsoever. Also, if you need some visuals, you can go to YouTube. That's right. The podcasts are on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, type in Romero Records Podcast, whatever episode you want to check out. I've got them all on there so you can get some visuals of me and the guests that I bring on. So hit subscribe on YouTube as well. Like whatever podcast you're watching and then also leave a comment. Say some stuff about whatever the episode you're watching and that would be awesome. Thank you for everyone tuning in and stay tuned.